Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Lucy Hickmott. It's Friday the 7th of June. Coming up, thousands of children going to school hungry. If children aren't um, having anything to eat in the morning, then their concentration can be affected. And as an impact of that, their learning will be affected. Footballer urges players to speak out against racism. You've paid money to come and watch football and you're belief is that you, you, you're able to shout what you want at me because you've paid 10 or £12. And care home screening films for people with dementia. People are quite like to see things like Notting Hill, Greece, Love Actually, that kind of thing. Kent Online News. First today, a man who killed his teenage wife at their flat in Maidstone on Christmas Day has been jailed for life. Ish has the details. Well, the body of 19-year-old Parwin Qureshi was found at the Kentish Court property off London Road last December. She'd been stabbed 38 times. Mohamed Qureshi, who's 27, pleaded guilty to murder at a hearing in April. He's been told he'll serve a minimum of 16 years behind bars. Elsewhere today, five teenagers have been arrested after a boy was flown to hospital with serious injuries following an attack in Canterbury. Police were called to Whitefriars Street at about six last night. Three boys and a girl aged between 15 and 17 have been taken into custody. Detectives have released a computer-generated image of a boy they're hunting following a serious sex attack in Medway. A teenage girl was grabbed as she sat on a bench in Gillingham Park last month. He's been described as about 16, 5 foot 5 tall and was wearing Nike trainers. Kent Online reports. There are concerns thousands of children in Kent are missing out on the equivalent of six hours of lesson time a week because they're going to school hungry. New research from Childwise shows here in the southeast an average of three youngsters in every classroom don't eat breakfast. Former head teacher Nathan Atkinson set up social enterprise to tackle child hunger. Any child arriving at school without having breakfast is going to be a step behind somebody who, who has. So hunger is a barrier to learning and it's something that is very concerning and the, the percentages highlighted in the research um, are, are very worrying. I think that um, there's the physical effects of hunger, but there's also emotional effects. So if you arrive at school having not had anything to eat and you're looking forward to your school dinner, but you might not know what that's going to be. So there's something else for you to worry about. Um, and it's just the, the distraction that that can cause. So emotionally and physically, not having a breakfast can, can have a huge impact on a child. There's that rumbling in your stomach, the distraction and the, the worry about where your next bit of food is going to come from um, it, it is very distracting for children sadly we saw children coming to school hungry lots of times and children are very very resilient and, and very clever at disguising the fact that they might be hungry and my belief is that all behavior is a form of communication so for me when some children were demonstrating really disruptive behavior we sat down and talked to these children and the message that they gave us was that they were hungry and that was at the root cause of some of these really negative behaviours. So um, being able to provide children with a breakfast and a positive start to the day is something that schools really will benefit from. There are so many different reasons why children present at school hungry. Uh, food insecurity is something that can happen in any household at, at any time. Um, so it's not just one particular type of family or type of children that, that are coming to school hungry. So it may be because there isn't food in the house. It may be because 
because there's maybe no electricity to to make toast or to keep milk chilled alternatively it could be a really busy and hectic family that are dashing out the door with two working families uh two working parents so that children just don't have the time or the structure to be able to get access to that food Breakfast clubs are a great way for children to start the day. So initially you can say, well, it's good that children are going to get food there, but it goes further than the food. Bringing people together through food for a socially positive start to the day, providing children with a safe space to start their day, sometimes a warm space and being around adults and their friends, people that they trust, they have positive relationships with. A breakfast club is a really positive way to start the day. We've been along to a breakfast club at Wayfield Primary School in Chatham this morning. Natalie Mason is a reception teacher there. If children aren't um, having anything to eat in the morning then their concentration can be affected and as an impact of that their learning will be affected so that's something as a school that we are really aware of and we have um, ensured that our breakfast club the price of our breakfast club has remained low so over the three years it's only increased by 50p to £1. Within breakfast club they have a wide variety of foods um, that they can self-select to ensure that they are full and ready to learn when they start school. Being a reception class teacher, I work with the very youngest children and if they are feeling hungry, then that is something that they will become that's something they really concentrate on. They are very hungry, their tummy's rumbling, and it is really a barrier to learning. Um, so that is why we provide, um, provide this facility um, for all children in our school. And our breakfast club is provided or available from nursery children all the way up to year six. It's a pound a day and they can um, have hot and cold food. So there's a selection of cereals, a selection of fruits and yogurts um, and selection of um, warm foods. So toast or crumpets or pancakes, tea cakes. So there's a wide variety of food. So all children should um, enjoy something that we can provide for them. It's not if you sign up for a breakfast club then you have to come every day it is um on a day-to-day basis um on average we have 40 to 45 children coming um but on really busy days we've had 60 children coming into our breakfast club so it doesn't you don't have to come every day it is as and when you can afford it um or as and when it is needed christina's also been chatting to some children at the breakfast club what's your name bella and what's your name Jessica. So, how's you like breakfast club? Good. Good. What are you both eating today? Um, I'm eating a chocolate cookie. I'm eating a pancake. And what do you have on your pancake? A uh, butter. Why have you gone for a cookie for breakfast? Oh, I was going to have something else, but I didn't like it. And then I was like, Mum, can I get some bananas? He's like, yeah, and just take this. There were other stuff, but I was like, no, just take this one. Did you come to breakfast club every day? Yes. And what do you think of it? It's good. Because we know to go outside, we can play on our iPads. And I get to draw on my iPad. My name is Nicole and this is Andre. How do you both like breakfast club? It's pretty, pretty like it. So what do you get to eat here? So over we... there, there's crumpets you can eat and pancakes and tea cakes and toast. On I the love tea. I love tea cakes. And over here, where the um, where all the um, breakfasts are, is there's Cheerios, 
um, flakes and the other stuff. So, so what we would do is uh, just choose any type of food you like. So what have you both had for breakfast this morning? Um, I had um, a crumpet. I had a um, pancake. And how do you like, you know, coming in and having breakfast with all your friends? Before? I pretty like it. I like literally, it's pretty amazing. I pretty like the school that much. And does it kind of set you up for the day, having a nice breakfast, still ready, ready for the day? Yeah. So what's your name? Aaron. Alfie. Isla. Alfred. Perfect. So, how do you like breakfast, club? Fun. Fun. What do you do here? We play table tennis and eat breakfast. We um, do our homework. Yeah, we get a little. We don't get to time to do it in the morning. We get a little bit of time to have like some time with our friends, a bit longer, and get to think about. And how do you feel? Do you think you know coming here it kind of makes the day a bit better because you get to have a bit of fun before yeah. before lessons start? Yeah. yeah, it gets to prepare yourself. Kent Online News. Four men have been arrested after an attack in Maidstone Town Centre left a man with a head injury. The victim was taken to hospital after police were called to the high street in the early hours of this morning. Part of the road near Remembrance Square was cordoned off earlier while forensic evidence was gathered. A man's appeared in court charged with people smuggling after a small boat with six people on board was intercepted by border force officers off the coast of Kent. The 35-year-old was arrested on Tuesday, three days after a record eight vessels carrying 74 men, women and children cross the English Channel. He's due at Crown Court next month. A PCSO from Medway has quit his job after illegal images of children were found on his computer. Daniel Kane was arrested last February after officers visited his home at Marine View on St Mary's Island in Chatham the previous October. The 48-year-old has been told to do 180 hours of unpaid work and has been given an eight-month suspended prison sentence. A former Kent footballer who's been supporting the Kick It Out campaign is calling for players to stand up to racism in the game. Ex-Gravesend and North Elite defender Francis Duku spent around four years running workshops at clubs to try and tackle the issue. He's been speaking on the KM Football podcast about his experiences. I had a couple times I remember of players who said things to me directly um, in the game. Um, but it was always the, um, let's say, older players who thought they could put me off my game. Did so they? No. They'd, I'd, Red Mist would come, but their intention was to me to hit them or something obvious and get sent off, and I was a bit cleverer than that, I'd like to think, because I never did it. So I would always, though, challenge it fully, and you know, I'm not suggesting people go around having fights or whatever, but if you really don't you know you want to do that kind of conversation with me you don't have to you know hide on a pitch and do it you can speak to me after I'll even come to you I'll make it easy as possible for you you can you know have that chat with me then and always it was ah oh, no I didn't mean it there's nothing I didn't mean it which to me it just it sums you up that's the kind of person you are if you think that's all right to do because you want to score a goal I can't waste my time on you if you really don't like me you want to do something about it let's do it with me instead of a younger person who you know couldn't stand up for himself as much I'll, I'll be able to handle myself so I'll give you your option if you really want to do it take it if you don't seriously shut up and leave everyone alone because no one needs that from you some of the clubs have played against there were some fans who 
shouted some stuff. Um, but again, it's people who, you know, you've paid money to come and watch football and your belief is that you, you're able to shout what you want at me because you've paid 10 or 12 pounds. I respect myself more than your 10 or 12 pounds. So I'll give you back your money and I'll do what, you know, say what I want back to you if that's the way you want to, you know, you want to do it. But it was always, again, it's kind of the expectation. The expectation fans have of players can be really unrealistic. You know, this this belief that you can come to a game and shout what you want at people, whether it's about racism, whether it's about, you know, I've heard people shout stuff about people's family, people's kids. You know, there's people who've made a mistake, you know, whatever the, you know, things may be. You understand when you play that you're putting yourself in the spotlight to a degree, especially the higher up you go. But at the same time, um, the only thing that really should be justified is if you can be criticised about your, your ability, not the way you look or, or whatever the things, you know. There's people at times, they've had their family in the stands and people are shouting things about, you know, your missus, your wife, your, your mum, whatever the case may be, and they, they could be stood in the stand there. You've paid £15 and you think that gives you a right to do that. I, I, I can never, you know, get that. Then I see people with kids holding their kids and shouting this kind of stuff and you're thinking, well, what's your kid going to grow up to do? You know, it, it's, it's not behaviour you would accept anywhere else, but because you play football, people like say... Oh, you just have to be professional. Well, really, you're not even professional. You're semi-pro at that level, so I'd only take half of mm. it. But at the same time, even if you are professional, whatever, it's still let's just do things the right way. You know, you might not even be able to answer this question, but as you touched on there, this is something which only really seems to happen at at football grounds. Why is that? I think this is just my personal view. Football attracts people from every walk of life, and for so long, people have been allowed to just do what they want. At most other sports, you know, the one that springs in my head is rugby, you know, because rugby is the other big, you know, um, popularity sport, which also gets people from a range of range of walks. But most people there, there is almost a, a code of conduct which people have understood for for years. You know, there's almost you, you, you'd, you'd rugby. You're playing against people who will almost punch you in your head, but at the end of the game, without a doubt, it's gonna shake your hand. It's gonna have a beer. You know, that kind of thing. Whereas football, there's always been more of a, in my view anyway, an ego thing which has gone on, which has always carried on over and above. And that's just transmitted out. But because you get people from so many different walks of life, you get some good, a lot of good, let's be fair, there's a lot of good, a few bad, and then the ability to copy while you can hide in those bigger crowds is easier, easier done. You know, I look through the kick it out stuff and, you know, work we've done around there. You look at some of the stuff where people have been charged or shamed, named and shamed in the papers for racism and things. And, you know, you get all the, oh, I don't know what came over me. Oh, he's not that kind of person. Oh, I mean, he's a really lovely guy, really. He takes little old ladies across the road all the time, whatever the case may be. But you can see clear as day in the footage, faces twisted with rage. It's just kind of, I'm doing this because I'm in the crowd. No one identifies me but when you're identified all of a sudden I'm really really sorry you know once the, the mob mentality is gone changes a lot of people's um, behaviour. Kent Online reports. Now it's already been shown how music can benefit people with dementia. Now a care home in Maidstone is hoping films can have a similar effect. Ashley Gardens, which looks after more than 50 people with the condition, is starting monthly screenings for residents and people living nearby. They'll be showing classics including Love Actually, Grease and Notting Hill, which all have distinctive soundtracks. Joe Matzer is from the home. We have um, already a dementia friendly cinema area 
in the home for our own residents um, with a large screen we have the heavy velvet blackout curtains so it makes it very authentic um, so sort of times gone by with the usherette trays that you used to see in the cinema we have um, a few comfortable leather chairs but obviously we're making a lot more room for wheelchair access to make it more dementia friendly it's a brilliant idea why did you decide to do it how did this sort of come about Okay, well, we're always looking for ways of partnering with the community and trying to break down the, the barriers around what a nursing home is. So a lot of time people are coming to us when they're in crisis and actually we'd like to meet people when they're still living well in the community with dementia and showcase what we do when the time comes so that people then feel that it's a positive place to come and a positive experience to come into a nursing home rather than something to dread. The idea of... Having a, a cinema itself, it's something which people always look forward to. It's a very sort of communal sort of um, activity, isn't it? Um, how, mu how much benefit do you think that will have for, for people who are living with dementia? And obviously for your residents already, what, what's it been like? I think it's, it's going to be a winner on all counts because we're inviting people in from the community to give them an opportunity for a different activity. So they may already have things that they do hobby-wise out in the community and go to day... Uh, day groups and day clubs but this is something a little bit different um, meeting new people and sort of getting to know what we do as a home we'll also hope that some of our residents will join in and be able to partner up and develop some relationships and friendships with people out in the community so that perhaps we then have some people coming in to volunteer or spend a bit more time with our residents and i understand you'll be showing modern classics uh and uh, as opposed to the stereotypical you know black and white genre era what's the um, sort of thinking behind choosing those types of films okay well it's sort of doing a bit of research so I spoke to somebody that I work closely with at the Alzheimer's Society and I know that this has been trialed in other areas um, in cinema you know proper cinemas as well as other areas and the feedback was that they didn't want to watch all the old classic black and whites that you know generations have moved on and actually people were quite like to see things like Notting Hill, Greece, Love Actually that kind of thing um, so we're trying to be a bit more responsive to the feedback that has made previous attempts at this not so successful. Just the idea of watching films I mean there's something that can be nostalgic surely for, for people and and certainly that could be very beneficial for people living with dementia. Most definitely and obviously we'll continue to talk to people that do attend to make sure that we're constantly changing the films and making sure they are meeting the needs of the people coming in because we don't want to do it once and then people to think it's not really my thing and not come back. We want this to be an ongoing regular activity for people out in the community. And finally with just over 200 days to go until Christmas it's been revealed which toys you're likely to be saving up for. Argos have come up with what they think will be the top 12 sellers this December. The list includes the Fortnite Battle Bus, Lego Harry Potter Night Bus and a real walking buzz inspired by Toy Story. You can see the full details on My Kent Family. That's it for now, but for more news throughout the day, you can head to kentonline.co.uk News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.